Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, folks. Welcome to AOA. I'm Mike Pearson sitting in today for Mike Adams, though, as you heard, he will return on Monday. We've got a busy show planned for today. We're going to be talking a lot about supply chains. That's one of the things that has been most impacted throughout the COVID pandemic and, of course, the government response to the COVID pandemic. In the second segment, we're going to talk with Mike Steenhook, the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Let's figure out what's happening down at the Gulf Export Facilities as harvest gets underway in a big way across the Corn Belt. Later on, we're going to talk to Josh Linville. He's the fertilizer director at Stonex, and he tracks this market globally. And globally, the fertilizer market has had a lot of things to digest here over the past two weeks. Josh is going to get us up to speed on everything that's happening around the world and what to expect as we get through this winter season and start looking ahead to planting and the growing season of 2022. And finally, we're going to close out today's episode talking with Caleb Hamer. He's a farmer at B&H Farms just outside Cedar Falls, Iowa. They got into the fields about a week ago. They've been running hard. We're going to hear how yields look there in the northeast quadrant of Iowa. Before we dive into all of that, though, we've got to take a look at some of the news that is coming out of our nation's capital. There's never a shortage of hot air coming out of D.C., but there is more than usual right now. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has announced that the Senate is going to take up a bill the House passed earlier this week. This is a very specific bill designed to prevent a government shutdown at the end of the month and fund the government through until December 3rd doesn't really address the debt ceiling, but it's kind of a stopgap measure. Senate Leader Schumer came out with a statement. He said, quote, this resolution is the answer for avoiding numerous fast approaching crises on the horizon. Every single member in this chamber is going on record as to whether they support keeping the government open and averting a default or support shutting us down and careening our country towards a default. That is what he has said in advance of this vote expected to happen Monday morning. The Senate would need 60 votes in order to pass this measure. And as of right now, it is not expected that they will get to that 60 vote supermajority in order for this to pass. If it doesn't pass on Monday, well, they've got until September 30th to figure out something to do with the debt ceiling. Republicans are continuing to push Democrats to address that in their budget reconciliation bill. But I think there's going to be a lot more volatility as this thing moves towards a finish line by the end of next week. We also had some movement on progress getting better financial resources out in the countryside. Adams on Agriculture, of course, we are listened to across the country and several of the states that tune in to this episode are states that have allowed legal sales of marijuana. As of now, because marijuana is still federally illegal, none of the participants in that industry can utilize the banking sector. They have been shut out of banks, the cannabis industry has, and lawmakers are making an effort to address that. This started in the Senate earlier this summer. There was a pretty wide-ranging bill that was launched in the Senate that just didn't go very well, uh, didn't go very far, I should say. Uh, they were hoping to allow banks and credit unions to serve cannabis-based businesses in the states that have legalized that industry, either for medicinal or recreational purposes. They weren't able to get it across the finish line in the Senate this summer. The House has now decided to take up this cause, and they are expected to pass a, a very targeted measure, potentially as early as today, more than likely it's going to be pushed until next week, that would allow banks, again, that legal cover to serve cannabis-related industries, again, in states where it's legal. This is going to be called the SAFE Banking Act, S-A-F-E Banking Act, and uh, it was added without a whole lot of opposition to a defense authorization, and all of those are expected to clear the House. 
then of course it will have to go back to the Senate in order for them to come up with similar language. They'll reconcile the two bills and maybe get this thing across the finish line. Speaking of finish lines, runners are very familiar with crossing the finish line, and perhaps the most famous runner in Washington, D.C. is Senator Charles Grassley from Iowa. Early on Friday morning, at about 4 o'clock in the morning, in fact, Senator Grassley issued a tweet. He said, it's 4 a.m. in Iowa, so I'm running. I do that six days a week. Before I start my day, I want you to know that Barbara and I have decided that I'm running for re-election. There's a lot more to do for Iowa, and we ask and will support, uh, will work for your support. Will you join us? Announcing an election by tweet, President, excuse me, Senator Charles Grassley has said that he is in for the race in 2022. Uh, senator Grassley is uh, the longest serving senator from Iowa. He is the senior senator from that state. He is currently 88 years old, was first elected to the Senate in 1980. This is the start of the 2020 election cycle. No doubt we will be hearing a lot more announcements in the coming weeks and months from other folks looking to secure those positions in D.C. after this next year. Next, I wanted to talk about a bill that is uh, introduced in the Senate. It was introduced on September 15th. This was a bipartisan bill. We talk a lot in the media about the growing partisanship in Washington, D.C. Well, Here's an instance where two senators both serve on the Ag Committee. This is Senator Deb Fisher from Nebraska and Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota have come together and they have announced a bill called the Precision Agriculture Loan Act. This bipartisan legislation is designed to create a program within the USDA to provide loan financing to farmers and ranchers who are looking at purchasing precision ag equipment. Uh, Senator Fisher had this statement. She said, farmers and ranchers take care of our landed resources and precision agriculture equipment can help them expand on this good work. High upfront costs, however, mean many operations struggle to access these cutting edge and climate friendly technologies. Our bipartisan legislation will allow more producers to invest in the equipment they need. More about this particular piece of legislation going forward. Lots of questions to be answered. Exactly what types of Precision tech equipment will be covered by this. And as this rolls through the voting process, I think we'll find more and more insights on what to expect from this bill. Let's take a look over at the world of agriculture. We do have headlines coming up in ag. Earlier this week, USDA released their cold storage report, and it was discovered that the supply of beef, pork, and poultry in cold storage was 14% lower during August of 2021 than during August of 2020. Total red meat supplies were up 4% from July 2020, but again, down 6% from 2020. Total pounds of beef in freezers were up 4% from from July, but down 8% from a year ago. And frozen pork supplies were up 4% from the previous month, but down 1% from last year. We also have some updates on livestock slaughter. USDA's report was issued yesterday. Commercial red meat production totaled 4.59 billion pounds in August, down 2% from that produced in August 2022. Agriculture still getting after it, still getting that food out to the population. We'll be back when we return. We'll talk with Mike Steenhook from the Soy Transportation Coalition about what to expect for exports as harvest gets underway. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. 
From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit channellistens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer fueled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. Mike Pearson sitting in for Mike Adams, and it's time to add another Mike to this conversation. We're going to be joined in this segment by Mike Steenhook. He's the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Mike, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. It's great to be with you. Uh, Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening down in the Gulf. Hurricane Ida came through there a little over a month ago, really tore up a lot of export facilities. I know they have been working hard to get those back operational. Mike, what's the state of affairs on the lower Mississippi right now? Yeah, you know, one of the things that this is just a real reminder of is just because the television cameras have moved on doesn't mean the whole area has moved on and that we're back operating on all cylinders. Um, you know, the good news with with the, the lower Mississippi River area is that there, of the export terminals that are located there, not many experience significant damage. Uh, there's really one in particular, a cargo facility about 30 miles northwest of New Orleans that did to its loading uh, capacity. But um, so that's the good news. And there's, there's vessel loading that's, that has resumed and the channel is open. But you know, the bad news is there's still some areas that still require power to be restored, um, some of the outlying areas. So that's still a struggle. But then what also happened down there is there were dozens of barges that are essentially parked down there. Some of them are empty, some of them are full, but they got either submerged or they got damaged. And so now all of a sudden you've taken some barges out of the inventory for these companies. And now all of a sudden these barge companies are being tasked with moving a, a given amount of freight with less assets. And so now you're hearing these, these testimonials throughout the interior part of the country about, you know, things like getting fertilizer delivered or concerns about having adequate capacity um, when the fall harvest comes online to provide service down to the lower Mississippi River. So, you know, it, it's just an example of what happens down there impacts what happens up here uh, in, in the Midwest. And so it's obviously something we're going to continue to monitor. 
Do you anticipate the reduction in barge numbers causing big issues as the glut of harvest gets underway as we race towards mid-October? You know, that's, that's really, that's part of the concern is, um, again, we, we focus rightfully on the outbound, which is more, which is clearly very important during this time of the year, the harvest season, as it's coming online. But then also a lot of the, the northbound traffic, too, that's, that's very important. And so that, that is the concern, and it really falls <clears throat> within the context of a, of a supply chain, a global supply chain that is under a lot of stress right now. So when that's already the scenario, and then all of a sudden you insert a major weather event like Hurricane Katrina, it really just is like a throwing a wrench into the gears, and it really you know, gums things up, and it takes a while to emerge from that. And so you know, I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll be back to – we're not going to be operating at 100%. By by no means, we'll be there. But if you can get closer to that 85%, um, then you know we'll be in much better case. But because we certainly need it, because we've got a big harvest coming online, and we've got you know strong all indications that we're still going to have some strong export demand. Yeah, folks around the world are definitely looking to get their hands on American soybeans. And in order to do that, Mike, we have to have a functioning internal waterway system. That is something that has set America apart from countries around the world. And I know that you have been tracking the progress of the infrastructure bills in Washington, D.C., the bipartisan one that passed the Senate. Now it's in the hands of the House. Mike, I know you're watching closely. What do you expect to see? Are we going to get a vote on a standalone infrastructure bill? And what would that mean for exporters, particularly grain exporters here in the Midwest? Well, it's our hope that Congress actually passes the the infrastructure bill. You know, our our strong suggestion and encouragement is to do it, uh, focus more just exclusively on the things that, you know, most Americans regard as infrastructure, like roads and bridges and the inland waterway system and ports. And yes, you can extend it to things like the electricity grid or broadband and those kind of things. There's strong agreement among the American people, Republican and Democrat, that that's a legitimate exercise of the government. And they would like to see that improved. And so I, we hope that they would take this opportunity to do that. You know, one of the big themes of this week in Washington, D.C., is the tension within the House of Representatives, particularly on, in the Democratic caucus, among those more moderate in perspective that want to see just a, a vote on the infrastructure bill conducted. And then there's others, the more the progressive element, who, who have really dug in their heels and said, if you try to just pass the infrastructure bill in isolation, um, we will not support that. We want it to be in conjunction with the, um, what I would regard as more controversial budget reconciliation bill that has a lot of that social spending in it. And so that's the, the question right now is who is going to back down? And you know, the speaker did promise a vote on September 27th, uh, so just next week, on the infrastructure bill and right now, it's not looking like that's going to happen. They may have to delay that, but that, that's going to upset some people. So obviously, it's very, it's, it's very, there's a lot of tension in Washington, D.C. right now. Long term, I do think an infrastructure bill will get passed, um, but it's going to be likely a pretty meandering way to eventually get there. Things to keep an eye on. It is definitely fluid in Washington, D.C. right now. Mike, while we've got you, I would like to pick your brain on another topic, and this is railroad mergers. You've been talking all summer about the future of the Kansas City Southern. They were initially proposed to merge with the Canadian Pacific Rail Line, then Canadian National stepped in with a bigger offer, then that got the boot. Now KC Southern's looking back at Canada, Canadian Pacific. Bring us up to speed. What's happening here in the railroad space? Yeah, I mean, all of the all of the momentum is behind the Canadian Pacific effort to acquire uh, the Kansas City Southern. What really turned the the tide on this? Um, all of the momentum was with Canadian National because they had a more lucrative bid for the Kansas City Southern that Canadian Pacific could not match. Uh, Canadian National is significantly larger than Canadian Pacific. But then when the U.S. Surface Transportation Board, and that's the government agency that's charged with approving merger and acquisition activity, among other things, within the rail industry, when they made a ruling that they could not, Canadian National and Kansas City Southern could not proceed to establishing a voting trust 
which is kind of that initial first step on that long road to a, a, for, a formal merger, um, they did not grant that. And then all of a sudden, it really took a lot of the air out of the Canadian national proposal, and it really didn't look well for the federal government eventually approving that merger. So then Canadian Pacific came back and said, hey, we still have this offer on the table for you. And Kansas City Southern said, that offer is better than continuing to have negotiations with Canadian National. We will terminate our discussions with Canadian National, and we will proceed forward with exploring uh, merging with Canadian Pacific. And so, um, so that's where a lot of that the momentum clearly is. And um, so the Surface Transportation Board will proceed with, with looking into that. They've already signaled that they will approve a voting trust for the Canadian Pacific proposal. So, so they, again, there's a, lot, there's a lot more for those who, are, who want to see that merger between Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern, a lot more um, optimism that that will occur. But this will finally be probably resolved in, in sometime in, in the year 2022. Now, Mike, from the perspective of soybean growers, those folks who need to get beans to, well, an end user somewhere, anytime I hear merger and acquisition, the, the narrowing down of companies providing a service, of course, I, I wonder about pricing and cost. Mm -hmm. Do you have any expectations that this will increase rail freight uh, in the heartland? Yeah, that, that, that often has happened in the past, and there's, there's concern that this will occur in the future if Canadian Pacific does uh, acquire Kansas City Southern. I will say there is less concern among ag shippers that I've heard about the Canadian Pacific uh, proposal or effort to acquire Kansas City Southern than than the Canadian National proposal because what what it, it there is a very strong likelihood of it could provide greater marketing opportunities for a number of agricultural shippers. So if you're a, a shipper in say North Dakota most of your soybeans and grain will continue to go to the North Pacific Northwest. But, if, but given that you are currently on the Canadian Pacific network, if you can then provide linkage to the Kansas City Southern network, then all of a sudden you are able to more seamlessly move grain and soybeans from, say, the, the, that area of the country down to the southern United States and even into Mexico. So there are a number of these agricultural shippers who look upon that quite favorably because they think there's going to be expanded marketing opportunities. But again, you could always find a, an increase in rates as well when you have mergers occur within the rail industry. All right. Things to keep an eye on. The world of transportation is always interesting. We appreciate Mike Steenhook's insights on it. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Good to be with you. And folks, when we return, we'll be talking to Josh Linville about the fertilizer market looking forward. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Mixed futures on the Board of Trade this morning. We export sales for the week ending. 916 came in at 355,906 metric tons. That was down on the week, but up 1% year over year. We exports during the same week were marked at 507,905 metric tons. That was even on the week and up 8% year over year. Total we exports still lag the 2020-2021 pace by 16%. 
percent with 6.84 million metric tons shipped on the board of trade this morning December corn is trading three and a fraction lower at 526 the March contract down three and a fraction at 533 and three quarters for soybeans the November contract down a half a cent at 1283 and three quarters January down three quarters of a cent at 1293 and a quarter of a cent for wheat Chicago wheat December trading a penny and a half cent higher at 719 and a fraction Kansas City wheat December down two and a fraction at 717 and three quarters Minneapolis spring wheat December down a penny and a fraction at 910 and a fraction the March contract down a penny and a fraction at 897. Strong gains in the financial markets Thursday provided some support to the livestock complex. Most of the trading activity was the result of traders looking ahead to the reports out today, including the cattle on feed report. For live cattle on the board of trade, the October contract trading 45 cents lower at 122.77. The December contract down 72 at 127.90. In feeder cattle, October down 25 at 156.60. November 35 cents lower at 157.72. In lean hogs, the October contract trading 45 cents lower at 84.30. The December contract trading 20 cents lower at 76.30. In the outside markets, the Dow was up 27 points. The Nasdaq composite down 77. The S&P 500 up one. The U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes. Go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back, folks. Mike Pearson sitting in for Mike Adams on the day. It's time to turn our focus to fertilizer. Of course, harvest is getting underway across a large swath of the Corn Belt, but folks are looking ahead to planting and growing season 2022, and that fertilizer market has been volatile, especially so over the last two weeks, and I felt it was time we get some insight on what all is happening. We're going to be joined in this segment by Josh Linville. He's the Director of Fertilizer for Stonex. Josh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Hey, absolutely. You know, it's funny. You talk about the volatility and the stress. When I jumped on here, they said, hey, everything's fine. Just make sure you don't say any of those bad words. I was like, boy, have you watched the fertilizer markets lately? I think everybody's wanting to say them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to really watch your language because when we think about this industry, we know that that prices are fluctuate. Fertilizer is a global game and it makes up a huge percentage of a farmer's per acre cost in getting a crop into the ground, particularly some of the, the more intensive crops like corn. So uh, it's mm -hmm. tough to even find a place where to start. Josh, I want to throw it to you taking a look at nitrogen production first and foremost out of Europe. What's happening over there, and why does it matter? So over in Europe, there is a obviously everything on the fertilizers. A lot of it's fed by natural gas inputs, and if you've been tracking any of that marketplace, you've seen where natural gas prices have absolutely skyrocketed, and it's gotten to the point where the producers have been saying, "Listen, at these kind of natural gas input prices, we can't make fertilizer to profit, so we are shutting down." Um, and this has been a couple companies, I'm sorry, three companies so far. Uh, we've had CF sit there and say they're shutting down their UK facilities. Uh, a company called Yara uh, said they were cutting a significant portion of theirs. A company called OTZ out of Ukraine uh, said the same thing. We can't produce at profits, so they are shutting their plants down. Now, some of these countries rely on the CO2 output. 
from these uh, facilities and there's getting to be some government intervention, if you will, that is getting them to come back online. But at this point, the damage is kind of already done. You know, we've lost production. It's going to be at very high cost to produce the tons there. It's just further disrupted the supply side of the value chain. And Josh, you mentioned natural gas prices have spiked. That's an interesting market in and of itself. I, I know you keep track of what's going on there. What, what has happened with natural gas to cause this spike here over the past three weeks? Well, I, there's been a few different rumors. Of course, one of it is that just supplies were down. Uh, you've gotten to the point where you know everybody's coming out of COVID, industrial sector's coming back online, uh, normal demand that's out there, and it's just gotten to the point where demand has started to outstrip the supply side of the value chain. Uh, there's some speculation that maybe there's a little bit of funny stuff that's going on because a lot of that stuff does come from the Russian uh, Russians. Uh, just at, at the end of the day, uh, we just know that we have seen prices go well into the double digits, and at those kind of prices, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to make a ton of fertilizer and make money at it. And these f facilities weren't built for the good of everything. They were built to make money. If they see something as a losing proposition, they'll just shut them down. Now, Josh, are we seeing similar trends in fertilizer production here in the U.S., or have we been able to moderate some of that spike in natural gas pricing? Well, luckily, our natural gas prices haven't risen nearly the extent that they have over there. Now, our prices have jumped up, but we're talking the difference of, you know, maybe a dollar or two. So from that perspective, it does chew into the producer's margins, but really they're still doing quite well. They're going to produce everything they can. The problem here with our nitrogen market, it, it's been multiple factors. You know, we had Hurricane Ida. 72 hours before that storm came ashore, forecasters were saying, oh, at best this thing will be a tropical storm, maybe a Category 1 or 2. It turned out to be a Category 4, almost 5. It was the strongest storm that we had seen since uh, Katrina. Now, the facilities, of course, down there fared very, very well. They're built to last. But that doesn't matter if you don't have electricity to those plants. And that's what the speculation was, at least from our perspective. They don't have electricity. They can't produce. We lost weeks worth of production. Uh, then you look at some of the other plants around the U.S. COVID delayed a lot of these uh, repairs. You couldn't have people close by. You couldn't have the experts travel in. So they delayed it. And now all of a sudden you've had a backlog. Everybody is producing at the same, or doing the turnarounds at the same time. And now all of a sudden we've lost that. These plants are struggling to come back online. And there's some speculation that people are saying, oh, they're doing this on purpose to drive prices higher. I've seen that side of the business, and I can tell you that is not something they purposely do. They're not going to just shut down a profitable plant just because. It's worth it for them to produce every time they possibly can out of this facility. So they're losing margin by the day just as much as the market is seeing prices skyrocket. And Josh, you say seeing prices skyrocket. You tweeted, I think this was last night, January urea settled Friday, uh, last Friday at 540. Yesterday it settled at 607, up 12.5% on the week. UAN for January last Friday was at 400 bucks a ton. Yesterday it was at 442, up 10.6% for the week. Are you seeing double-digit price increases throughout the fertilizer uh, space right now? It sure seems like it. Uh, every week, it seems like we jump a little bit higher. If you have a week where you know you're only up five, ten, fifteen dollars a ton, it's really a non-event now because there's so much volatility. Uh, early in my career, if the price of potash, for example, went up five dollars a ton, and you didn't warn a retailer about it, they got furious because it's a massive price move. Now, if a price is moving five or ten dollars a ton, people are like, eh, it's not even that big of a one." You know, we're it's only five or ten dollars a ton. That's how volatile these markets are, even overnight. Yeah, you look at uh, urea futures, for example. Everything from October all the way through to March, everything was up anywhere from twenty-one and a half to twenty-six dollars a ton. Wow. Wow. Let, let's talk about some of the other components: phosphorus, potash. What are some of the other fertilizer spaces going through right now? Phosphate is dealing with uh, very, very tight supply. And actually, everything fertilizer, of course, is very, very tight supplied. Uh, phosphate has gotten there. Last summer, of course, uh, Mosaic filed for the countervailing duty case against Morocco and Russian tons. They were the two biggest importers in the U.S. marketplace, into the North American marketplace. Well, those have not gotten shut out because they're not going to pay the duties. There's other places to go around the world. So that disrupted supplies. Uh, China had quietly second half of last calendar year. They started, I'm sorry, they stopped exporting. They are a massive, massive producer. Um, they alone are bigger than countries two, three, four combined. That's how big they are. They just cut out exports. They kept everything back home. 
And then, of course, we had a phenomenal fall application run. We had a phenomenal spring application run, which emptied all, all the inventories. And now we've actually had even more uh, problems. You know, Mosaic's got some production down that Delta region, and the hurricane did have some damage. They they announced they lost something around 300,000 tons of expected production. So it's just been really one hit after another. So, Josh, for farmers out there, they're going to be in their combines for the next several weeks. They're planning ahead to this next growing season. How should they be approaching a market that is seeing weekly double-digit price increases? Do you get in and secure needs as soon as you can? Or is this a bubble that you anticipate having a blow-off top at some point here in the near future and then perhaps better buying opportunities down the line? Yeah, and I'm always thinking of things through to next spring, right? I mean, everything is always going to correct. Everything is cyclical. We will see a period where all of a sudden everything is going to fall back down. But the problem is, if that's next summer, that doesn't help us for this growing cycle. So looking at it from the spring perspective, from a nitrogen side, I just really, really struggle to see things falling apart. Not to say that it can't happen. If enough demand starts to go away, you know, if we see significant uh, switching acres, you know, going to wheat, going to beans, going to matter, whatever it may be, going away from that input, uh, you know, demand for corn, we could see demand start to fall away, start to bounce that S&D. But the problem is corn market starts to lose too many acres. Now it's going to start to battle back. And now all of a sudden you're going to get the demand coming back. So ultimately, we still see nitrogen as being very tight and prices being supported. Now the phosphate and potash, that could be a different scenario. That is something that if you stayed up to date on your application rates or if you're a little bit ahead of the game, you've got a little bit extra sitting in the soil, you can cut back your uh, application rate and still raise the same crop next year or raise very close to the same crop next year. So if we get into this fall and we see a lot of that demand that sits there and says, listen, I'm going to reduce my application rate, I'm going to delay my application rate until next spring, or I'm just not going to put it on at all because I can mine the soil, if enough of that demand goes away, now all of a sudden we go into the wintertime, everybody's full, supplies are healthy. Now all of a sudden you see a situation where you could start to see prices correct. I'm not but counting you on that happening, but it's a scenario. And that scenario you just laid out would be the reduction in demand for 2022, price correction then happening for spring of, of 2023. Well, you could see it happen by a spring of 22. Uh, if we have a poor fall 21, uh, you go into the wintertime very, very full uh, across the nation. There's nowhere for the producers to go. Now, all of a sudden, you start to see the producers start getting a little bit nervous and saying, okay, I want to sell whatever I possibly can. I'll get aggressive with my price to make sure that happens. But the problem with that is if the demand falls away here in the U.S., North America marketplaces, they can still ship that stuff internationally. Uh, the international market's still tight. So it's an outlier. It's a possibility. I'm certainly not counting on that happening right now, unfortunately. You expect to see strong prices throughout this winter and into 2022 then? Yeah, I unfortunately, uh, as I look at today, there's a lot more routes that lead to the same higher prices than there are going to lower prices. Oof, it has been frustrating. Before we let you go, Josh, let's talk about the, the global shipping issues. How much of the fertilizer prices are being driven by challenges in shipping versus supply and demand issues directly? Yep. So uh, one of the things I always track is uh, the Arab Gulf to NOLA bulk vessel freight. And the reason I do that is because half of our urea imports come from the Arab Gulf region. Uh, that's just a major highway. So we track and we kind of get an idea, okay, if the international is doing this, U.S. ought to do this. Start of the year, we were $25 a metric ton. Today, we're at 80. And there are still a lot of reports having trouble finding boats. It's a big, big deal. It is a very big deal, and it sounds like it's going to be with us for some time. Josh Linville, the Director of Fertilizer for Sonex, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. We'll be back to Talk Harvest in Iowa when we return. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. 
you can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. When it comes to squeezing the most fuel efficiency out of every gallon of diesel fuel, there's nothing better than Diesel X Gold from FS. Modern engines are designed with more power while preventing harmful emissions. Diesel X Gold keeps them operating that way with its advanced detergent chemistry that keeps injectors operating like new and its healthy dose of cetane improver that makes sure engines start quickly and combust fuel more completely. So count on Diesel X Gold from FS. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. 
Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. I'm Mike Pearson sitting in for Mike Adams. Let's talk about harvest. USDA reported on Monday that Iowa was 4% harvested. Uh, That's right on par with 2020, two points above the five-year average. That's a consistent theme throughout the Corn Belt. We're seeing accelerated harvest pace all the way from the Northern Plains down to about Kentucky. Once we get to the Delta and areas farther south that have seen the impacts from those tropical storms that have moved through the Gulf, uh, we do start to see the harvest pace slow down. But here in the Corn Belt, it's getting underway. I had the chance to travel across central Illinois this week, and I saw a lot of combines getting into the field opening up those fields for perhaps the first time this season, and I figured it was time to see how yields are looking. Joining me for this segment is Caleb Hamer. He is a partner in B&H Farms up in Rhinebeck, Iowa. Caleb, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? I am fantastic, sir. Bring us up to speed. You guys got into the field last week. Is that right? Yeah, we started... uh... Tuesday, we had some corn to custom on a, a custom basis for a hog farmer that was needing some feed for his feed mill. Um, I would say stuff was running on par with a year ago. It was plenty wet, 28, 29% corn, but when the pigs need feed, the pigs need feed. Um, I would say there's a lot of earlier corn than normal coming out. Um, I would say by next week, everybody will be on beans and there'll be a big increase in harvest percentage on beans next week. Caleb, what have you seen? You mentioned the corn was still plenty wet, pulling out 28% or so. How has dry down been? We have had some heat across the corn, but we've also had some rainfall. What have you been watching? Uh, I'm guessing this, uh, the dry down's happening because when we moved home, we got into some of our own corn that was running about Oh, 220 bushel the acre, which was surprising to me for the farm, but uh, it was coming out at 22, 23%, and it was an early hybrid, and we did have fungicide on it, so we're glad we got it picked when we did. Uh, I'm afraid what's going to happen is when we go to beans here for the duration of bean harvest, the bottom's going to fall out of corn, and when we get back, there's going to be drier than we would like to see when we get back into harvesting corn. Yeah, our forecast does call for for sunshine and moderate to warmer temperatures over the next several weeks, so it certainly seems like dry down could accelerate. Caleb, I know in 2020, your farm was on the edge of the damage caused by the derecho of August 2020. As you look backwards through the growing season this past year, were there any major challenges that, uh, that your farms had to confront? Um. You know, we did more tillage than we'd like to do, especially in front of soybeans, just trying to get through some of the material left behind from the corn crop of the derecho. Uh, We sprayed a heck of a lot of volunteer corn across numerous trips, but I think we got that pretty well under control. But I know if you drive kind of the Highway 30 corridor across Iowa, you can find unprecedented amounts of volunteer corn, and that's probably going to cause some habitat for rootworm for next year and rootworm to the north of us is becoming an issue. And I think having corn in a bean field is going to help those move south in the coming seasons. Certainly makes sense. They've got a place to stay fat and happy for the year dining on that volunteer corn. Caleb, on the soybean side, you mentioned some some corn yield. Was uh, well, You're pretty pleased with that figure. On the soybeans, how are things looking based on the folks you've talked to who have gotten into them early? Um, I think if you look at a August precipitation map and if it's above three to four inches across Iowa, you're going to see some really good bean yields. The ones I've heard early are very good. Some guys are talking about record yields and I know some guys that miss the August rains are disappointed. So I think if you caught the four to five inches that some people caught in August, I think you'll be very happy with what you're getting. How did things uh, work out on your farm? Did you guys catch enough moisture there in that northeast part of the state? Uh, I would say we got super timely rains. We were very dry June and July. We caught an inch and eight tenths the week the tassels come out. Uh, August, we caught uh, just short of five inches, I believe. So I think our bean yields will be very good. It's the first time we've had reasonable August rain in several years. So we're just getting started. We got 
one semi-load loaded yesterday and put something through the combine and took out a couple sieves. So we're just patching her back together in the shop now. Thank goodness parts were on the shelf at the dealership. But we're going to get back out there today and know a little bit more. Well, and you mentioned, thank goodness parts were on the shelf. Uh, Caleb, this supply chain issue has been trouble for everybody in agriculture. Have there been any indications where you've needed parts or chemicals or anything and just weren't able to get them secured? Uh, I haven't seen the parts issue yet, but I'm quite sure it's coming. Uh, fertilizer availability is becoming a real issue. I know some of the retailers around here went no bid the last couple of days on anhydrous because they're not getting their own new pricing for replacement back in. Uh, the fertilizer thing is going to be a real deal coming forward. It certainly is. It sounds like we're just kind of getting started in that volatility. Caleb, I want to ask you, basis in your part of the state, what have you been seeing recently? Uh, basis, it's starting to soften. Harvest is coming. It's hitting the it's hitting the processor. The ethanol plants have slowly been ticking back, which is expected for harvest, but they're still super strong for what would be considered a normal harvest basis, but they're not what they were two weeks ago. And similar story on soybeans as harvest gets underway? I think so. Our co-op actually had a little push this week, so I grabbed some of that for our farm. But uh, I would say that'll soften in a hurry in the next week. It certainly sounds like that's the case. Well, Caleb Hamer, we certainly wish you folks the best there at B&H Farms as harvest gets underway. All right. Hey, thanks, Mike. You bet. We appreciate talking to you, Caleb. And folks, thanks for tuning in to Adams on Agriculture today. Caleb mentioned basis is slipping, but CPI, that consumer price index for food, continues to increase. Had a report from USDA. They anticipate the measure of food inflation to grow as 2021 comes to a close, and they expect to see prices move another 3 to 4% higher as we get closer here to the end of the year. Thank you so much for making Adams on Agriculture a part of your day. Mike Adams will be back on Monday bringing you all the latest news for the agriculture industry. Thanks for tuning in. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.